Welcome to Reputation Matters. Our guest today lives by the words quality, craftsmanship, and tradition. His passion is to help the well-dressed acquire and care for their wardrobes. And perhaps most interestingly for our conversation today, he has nearly 750,000 followers on YouTube. He is the founder of Kirby Allison's Hanger Project. Kirby Allison, thanks for being here with us yeah. today. Creighton, it's a pleasure. And I have to say, it's a rare pleasure to be on the other side of this. So I'm going to savor this moment today uh, <laughs> to not have to worry about any of these details and just be able to enjoy what I'm sure is going to be great conversation. Good. You are usually the one to do <laughs> the interview. Let, let's start at the very beginning. I understand from your bio, this all started with the desire for a better, higher quality suit hanger. Yeah. You know, I joke that... Um, you know, I wasn't smart enough to do anything other than just what it is I loved. Yeah. And um, that's kind of what led me to starting what originally was the Hanger Project. Um, you know, I've always been passionate uh, about, you know, what now, you know, we describe as quality craftsmanship and tradition, you know, but the idea that you could have something made by hand the way that it's always been made, like yeah. that nostalgia, you know, just was always uh, interesting to me. Uh, and so that led me, you know, to you know, kind of a, an area of menswear, classic menswear, you know, where men were going to tailors to have suits made, mm. shoemakers to have shoes made, shirt makers for their shirts. Um, and, you know, that was a rabbit hole. I kind of fell into, you know, beginning in high school, but really, uh, uh, you know, in college. Okay. And so in college, I, instead of taking Art History 101, I took a, a graduate level class in costume design and tailoring. And so I hand tailored my own suit jacket, um, which taught me a, um, you know, gave me a really profound understanding and appreciation for the work that goes into tailored garments. Mm -hmm. Graduate college, take all my money, buy my first custom suit, and it comes on a plastic hanger. Yeah. And so that was, in a lot of ways, um, you know, the genesis of the hanger project. Uh, it was just that, a hanger project, right? Like all lowercase letters. Um, I tried to think of a more clever name and couldn't. And my friend and roommate at the time said, well, why don't you just call it what you've been calling it this entire time, which is the Hanger Project. But if I remember correctly, this was an, it started as an office pool. You were in investment yeah. banking. And yeah, this was, I mean, this was a, it was a, you know, what is, it was the GoFundMe before, you know, GoFundMe, GoFundMe but it, not Go, what is it? It was the, um, you know, Kickstarter, before okay. Kickstarter. I wish that had been my idea, but it was a group buy. So basically I told, you know, a group of friends at the office and uh, some other people I knew on the internet, look, I'll go out and find someone to make these hangers for us. They're like, I just graduated college. Like, I don't have any money. Right. So like, you guys have to prepay for this. I'll take all the orders, bundle it together and have them made and figure out all the details after the fact. Uh, and so that's how it began, you know, really as, um, you know, as a, a, as a, you know, kind of a Kickstarter, you know, if you will, group buy, um, focused on hangers. And then we went from there, from hangers to garment care, from garment care to shoe care. Okay. Uh, and then ultimately from shoe care to, you know, kind of clothing accessories for the well-dressed. And cigars as well. Well, and cigars, which has become a massive, in many ways, completely unexpected cornerstone of the channel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I tell people that, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate because, you know, I really do do what I love at work because the company, KirbyAllison.com, really is a manifestation of me and my interests. Mm -hmm. And so I've always enjoyed smoking cigars. And we started filming some content for the YouTube channel with um, some friends of mine in London that own a, a store called Davidoff of London. Uh -huh. And it just kind of exploded. And it's become, you know, a 
primary cornerstone of the content that we film on YouTube. So let's back up for a second. So you, you pointed out rightly that it's it's transitioned from Kirby Allison's Hanger Project to Kirby Allison. It's just Kirby Allison. Right. Um, what was Hanger Project and then Kirby Allison's Hanger Project. And then finally we dropped the Hanger Project. So from, as a business perspective, did it start as an online retail? Yeah. It was always exclusively an online retailer. And I, you know, and I say this half jokingly, but really it's very seriously that you know, my business would not exist if it weren't for the internet, because we are such a small niche mm -hmm. serving such a specific market that there would never be enough customers in New York or any one geography uh, to support a business. Yeah. It's only because we are able to do this online and really aggregate the entire, you know, U.S. market and in many ways kind of a global market, you know, that I could even be in the business of selling luxury clothing hangers. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the great beauties and virtues of the internet is its ability, you know, to aggregate markets and reach wide audiences. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really always been an online business. We have a warehouse now in Dallas in the design district and, you know, very reluctantly, we added a will call option, you know, <laughs> uh, and surprisingly, we have a lot of people that actually come into the office to pick up orders. And, you know, we're actually looking into the possibility of creating kind of a small physical retail space you know, to allow us to, you know, kind of provide a kind of in-person sh limited shopping experience for those interested in, in stopping by. So the decision to jump into the YouTube universe, if you will, what, how early on was that? And, and how did you make that decision? Yeah. So, um, so I'll take you back. So, you know, whenever we added shoe polish, uh -huh. we picked up a brand of shoe polish from France called Saphir, right? And, you know, in the United States, the, you know, the kind of attrition of polishing one's shoes was really limited to a tin of Kiwi shoe polish. Right. right. Like, I mean, that's it. Literally one tin. All you used was a wax polish, maybe a leather cleaning soap. And you had it all your life. Yeah. And or you had, had it. it was yeah. passed down I mean, from you your basically inherited it. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> right. And so whenever we added this line of shoe polish from France, right, I mean, they had this incredibly, you know, diverse and rich catalog of products. It was very clear that the only way that we were going to be able to sell any shoe polish was by creating shoe shine tutorials, right? Uh, and so at that time, I mean, you know, YouTube was, I mean, this was, I mean, 2011, 2012, right? Maybe, maybe a little bit earlier, um, you know, was at its infancy. And so the only way to do this was with the written content, right? And so we created at that time, or I did, I say we, it's the royal we, you know, anyone that yeah. owns a business, you know, it's um, we, <laughs> it's we, but it's really just me, myself and I, but, uh, you know, I created shoe care tutorials, you know, blog posts, essentially, uh, that, you know, ultimately aggregated to probably the largest collection of shoe shine tutorials available on the internet. And so from a Google SEO perspective that drove a ton of business and really was a lot, what allowed us, you know, to, you know, to create a pretty significant, you know, revenue stream selling shoe polish to people that, you know, had no idea how to shine their shoes. Uh, you know, at some point we kind of limited out on that, right? In terms yeah. of what we could do. And so YouTube was kind of that next step of like, well, why don't we try filming some shoe shine tutorial videos? And so that was the beginning of YouTube was taking those shoe shine tutorials that mm -hmm. we'd written mm -hmm. and filming it. And, um, you know, so first it was shoeshine tutorials, and then it was like, well, I've got a friend that's a tailor that's coming into town. You know, why don't we 
film him measuring me for a suit, right? Uh, and so it just kind of evolved through, you know, these kind of really personal experiences that I was having, um, you know, kind of as I encountered them. And, you know, getting into the cigars to kind of take it back to kind of where we were originally was never a very concise or specific strategy. It was more of just kind of a spontaneous, like, well, you know, I'm enjoying this. Why don't we film and see what happens? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really kind of connected. So. So how many videos now, you know, some 10, 11 years later? Yeah. Well, we have surpassed the thousand video mark. Wow. Right. It's been seven or eight years. And, um, you know, as they say, an overnight success, you know, you know <laughs> overnight success. Yeah. Overnight seven, success. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's been interesting to kind of see the ch channel build momentum. Uh, you know, I mean, we're about to hit three quarters of a million subscriber, which is a pretty substantial, yeah. um, you know, audience now. You know, we'll produce anywhere between five and 10 million views a month. Um, and it's completely changed my business. I mean, it's transformed everything about the business. I mean, our, my biggest challenge whenever we first started was, uh, how do I scale a business that is so niche oriented how do I produce demand? And, you know, you've got people searching for you on Google, but how many people are searching for wooden hangers and shoe polish? Like yeah. nobody, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we did some early days PR, but at a certain point, like you've done all the press. Right. Right. So how do you continue to get in front of a, a new audience in order to, you know, to market your business and produce demand? And YouTube, you know, now in retrospect, looking back has really been, you know, incredible. And I think today as a platform is, you know, is the single most powerful platform for people that are looking to gain visibility is YouTube. Would you say that YouTube um, pushes more people to your business or your business online pushes more people to YouTube? So, I mean, it's a, a great question, right? There's no question that YouTube is our single largest source of customer acquisition. And YouTube has surpassed Google search as our largest source of customer acquisition. And, you know, people didn't know who Kirby Allison was five years ago, right? Because he was nobody, right? It was like some kid in Dallas, you know, selling hangers and shoe polish, you know, by virtue of the YouTube channel and, you know, the audience that we've been able to build. I mean, it's like, you know, I can, you know, barely walk down the street in London without five or six people, you know, recognizing, you know, me and our work. Um, so YouTube has changed everything. I have to ask you about that. Well, when they stop you, what do they say? Do you do they ask you for your autograph? Well, you know, I haven't <laughs> I, I haven't had any a lot of selfies. Yeah. Um, which I guess is the modern day equivalent of the autograph. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, say Kirby Allison. Wow, I can't believe you're here. Right. Because, you know, here I am seeing you in London. You know, it's like, um, you know, and it's a little surreal, I guess. I mean, it's taken a little bit of time to get used to, but you know, again, I, one of the great virtues of what it is I do is it's at its core oriented around a passion. Uh, and so the people that watch the channel are inherently people that I would get along with anyway, because we share commonality and interests. Let's talk a little bit about your content choices. So as you mentioned, some of the videos that, you know, I still watch, how to protect suede shoes, mm -hmm. for example, shorter, yeah. more tutorial. And then you've done some of these long series where you've traveled 
talk talk about the differentiation between those and how you make some of your editorial decisions. Yeah, I think one of the most important things for someone to know about YouTube that it took me doing it for five years to fully comprehend and appreciate is its ability to put you in front of a audience that didn't know who you were. Mm -hmm. And the statistic that I'll give that still amazes me is that 80% of the people that watch one of our videos is someone for whom YouTube has suggested that video. So they weren't looking for how to shine a shoe, right? They weren't looking for any of the content, but YouTube, the algorithm, the black box, right, was somehow able to, you know, predict that this would be something that they would be interested in. Mm -hmm. And so if you think that we're producing 5 million views, 10 million views a month, 80% of those people weren't searching for one of our videos, don't subscribe to the channel. It is a profound amount of people that are learning about who we are and what it is that we do for the first time. But, but, but let me stop you. So you're suggesting the algorithm works in your favor despite the niche that yeah. you have, because presumably they're already in the niche on YouTube and find you when it suggests. Well, I would even, I mean, again, no one really knows what Google does, right? <laughs> but I think one of my favorite comments, right? And this is in some ways, uh, you, know, you know, what's the word? It's, you know, it's I think representative of this is that, you know, it's 2 a.m. and I have no idea why I'm watching this shoe shine tutorial, but it's amazing, <laughs> right? You know, and so a lot of these people well, a lot of the people that we have turned into customers were people that never even really thought about shining their shoes. Wasn't even there for them, right? And so to huh. go back to your point of like, we're in the market. Well, I think one of the great virtues of YouTube is that it really produces a market for us that didn't necessarily exist beforehand. So you've, you've broadened. You've broadened it, produced it. It's a grown a market, hmm. you know, by allowing us to, you know, somehow plant the seed in people's minds or expose them to something that they never really thought to look for otherwise. So what's the barrier then? I mean, because you mentioned, I mean, there's lots of smart marketing people, lots of smart PR people, but it, but I, but you, there are few people who seem to have taken advantage of the power of YouTube, both from search as well as, yeah. uh, as well as video, uh, as well as you have. What, what's the barrier? Why, why do you think it's getting in people's way? Well, I mean, video production is difficult. Right. I mean, that is, at the end of the day, I think the biggest crux. Mm. It's not cheap. Mm. It's not easy. And it's very difficult to do well. Um, and so I think that that is the biggest challenge that people run into. I mean, whenever we got started, I told myself, look, we're going to try it for three months. Right. Uh, I knew that in order for us to be able to do it at scale, that we had to have the ability to um, edit the videos ourselves. You know, maybe we'd pay someone else to come film it, but like the editing and everything we needed to have kind of in-house. Mm -hmm. um, and so those were things that we did that, you know, so we hired an editor out of college, right? You know, we'd have someone come in and help film. And, um, you know, that's how we get started. Um, but it's difficult. And I think, you know, what I tell people is that, you know, you just have to, you know, you can't let doing it perfectly get in the way of doing anything. So you right. have to try and experiment and iterate through the process. But even then, you know, compared to just writing a blog post or taking photographs on Instagram, doing something on YouTube is exponentially more difficult and that's a barrier to entry. Sure. Okay, let's go back to your editorial. Editorial, yes. And, and some of your content from the tutorials to 
to the the far more sophisticated, you know, where you're on the road, suit to shoot. Yeah. And of course, you were just recently in Cuba. Yeah. We just are in the beginning stages of, I think we just released the third episode of a 10-part series that we filmed in Cuba. That is groundbreaking. I mean, we were given more access to the Cuban cigar kind of industry than anyone has ever been given with a video camera. And so that's exciting. I mean, that's what I love. I mean, this is when I say I really have the privilege of doing what it is I love. I mean, you know, to be there in Cuba doing something that nobody's ever done before, you know, in an industry that I'm personally passionate about, like Cuban cigars, and then to be able to then share that with a global audience of people that, you know, have that commonality with me is amazing. Um, but to answer the question, well, I mean, hold on. Well, how did you get that access then? Yeah, well, this is, I guess, this is, I'm jumping ahead and let's go back, right? You know, <laughs> well, uh, be, it's too good to not follow up on, right? Well, because the access is really a product of the proof of performance, right? The fact that we have built a large audience and we've built trust. We've been doing this for a long time. We have some very specific um, positions on building trust too that I think that are important, you know, that I'll, I'll hit on. You know, taking it back from the beginning, it was just shoeshine tutorial, tutorials, right? It evolved from there because at some point you get bored. You're like, I couldn't possibly film another shoeshine tutorial. Otherwise, I'm not going to wake up and go to work, right? Because you've done all of them. Well, and the format was relatively simple, yeah, right? Simple. So maybe two camera shoot, yeah. you're at a desk with yeah. a set. I mean, and, we probably you... were one camera to begin, okay. right? I mean, so but you're right. Relatively simple, one or two cameras very unsophisticated right but nice high but quality nice still. enough i mean we've always been we always seek to push you know the quality level mm -hmm. right but it's a product of where you are right? right so like at that moment we were filming the best content we could but we were always learning right and so it went from that to then you know here i am you know having a bespoke suit made well now we're not at a desk anymore we're standing you know it gets a little bit more complicated uh, and then we kind of introduced the travel content. So it's like, well, you know, we filmed a bunch of stuff in the office in Dallas. Why don't we go to London and film with these people there? Right. So that was kind of an evolution. Um, and then, you know, from that, and these are all still one part linear pieces, right? Okay. It's like, you know, walk and talk, show and tells. I mean, you know, nothing very, you know, cinematically complicated. And how long? About how long? You know, well, I mean, on the longer side, um, which is something that I think is important. I think people go to YouTube for the meat and the potatoes, mm -hmm. right? And I think it is a fallacy of marketers to think that they need to edit their content to what they see as e either average watch times uh, or attention spans as they often. You know, Thank you very it. much. You're, you're singing my tune. No, no, my, no. My producer is hearing you say this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, again, people go to YouTube for the meat and the potatoes. And if you want to do anything that is substantial and significant, You've got to be able to support that with substantial and significant content. Depth. And that's not depth. And that's not done. That's not delivered in 30 seconds or a few minutes. Right. And the beauty of YouTube or podcasts is that, you know, people can listen to it anywhere. Right. They can pause it. They can continue it. One of my favorite things is to increase the playback speed. Right. So you can kind of fly through it faster. Uh, and so why not provide the meat and potatoes, right? right? And so we've always had long watch times. And I'd say relative to even the people that we benchmark ourselves against on YouTube today, mm -hmm. we're still very long on our watch times. And, you know, are we making life more difficult for ourselves? Probably. 
Is it, I mean, would any more sophisticated, smarter person do the same thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, for us to do justice to the topics that we're filming, right. the only way to do it is, I mean, we don't organize around watch times. We organize around telling stories. However long that story tells, takes to tell is how long the video is. So you're, the next step was you're in London. Yeah, you're in London. You're bespoke suit made yeah. or, or bespoke shoes, yeah. right? You're, it's all... Smoking a cigar. That's how right? we started with Davidoff of London. Uh, so that was the next kind of evolution. And then, you know, so this was like us traveling somewhere to film, right? Underwritten? Uh, no, <laughs> underwritten by Kirby Allison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a whole nother conversation. Um, and then at some point, you know, we then said, you know, like, let us try to do a series, a multi-part series where we have a narrative arc, right? So kind of do the same thing we're doing, but let's string some of these topics together to somehow make it more interesting than any of the individual episodes. The first time we did that, was in Scotland with the Suit to Shoot series, mm -hmm. right? And two so years ago. Two right? years ago, right? And then we followed that up with a series that we did with the Goodwood Revival, right? Uh, and then we've since done it with Cuba. We've done it in Italy. That hasn't been published yet. Um, and so again, like pushing the envelope, you know, continuing to develop and evolve. It's just kind of that next evolution in order to produce progressively better content, moving beyond just single linear episodes yeah. and saying, you know, like, let's think bigger than that and tell a larger, more compelling story that can't be done in 45 minutes. And let's do that through a multi-part series. So how do you say no, or do you, to brands and individuals who are in the your business yeah. or not necessarily in the in the, the video or marketing business but are in the the apparel business or or believe they're in the high-end apparel mm -hmm. business and um it may or may not fit your standard of quality yeah. craftsmanship and tradition. tradition yeah um yeah i mean in the beginning we didn't really have much to choose you know, from to choose from yeah. so we said yes to almost everything um but, you know, we have the, the, the benefit of, you know, we don't need the people with whom we work to pay us in order for us to do our work, right? Uh, we monetize the YouTube channel through KirbyAllison.com. Uh, the YouTube channel really is in some ways kind of a marketing line item, right? right? And so that allows us to be pickier, right? And choosing with whom we work. So we're not going to film someone with someone that, you know, doesn't somehow enhance our brand. Uh, or align with our quality position, right? Um, and so we have a lot of people that want us to film with them that like we won't film with because it just wouldn't be consistent with where it is I'm trying to position, you know, Kirby Allison in the marketplace. And and that, you know, the other side of the coin on that is I, you know, we won't do negative content, right? I'm not a journalist, right? I'm not out there to do something that is controversial. And I feel like I have a moral responsibility to not jeopardize other people's livelihoods. And so, you know, we have a lot of people that would like us to film content with that, you know, that I couldn't necessarily stand behind or find anything really positive to say about. Like, we just simply won't do it. Yeah. Right. Like, we just pass on that. It's not a review. It's not a review. And there's a lot of people that in this space that, you know, feel like, you know, they need to 
you know, be controversial and have a, a you know, an opinion. And not, we have opinions, but they're positive opinions. And, um, you know, I've just seen too many people like, you know, not taken care of by that, that, you know, we won't do it. Now, this has helped build trust, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and further open doors because, you know, we're able to show through our entire catalog of work that we don't do negative content. So if you have a hundred plus year old heritage brand, right, you can trust that if we are filming with you, right, we're there to tell your story in the most positive way possible, you know, to, um, you know, to romanticize it and to embellish it and to really speak to the virtues. Um, and so protect the lore and the legacy. Yeah, to protect the lore and the legacy. And um, I think that's important. And, you know, for us and for the people with whom we work, that they can trust that we're not going to in any way, you know, stab them in the backs, you know, after we get the footage into the editing room because, you know, we want to or we can. Yeah. So for most people who care to dress, the journey towards quality craftsmanship and hopefully tradition is just that it's a journey. It's a journey. And, and sometimes it's a it's driven by economics, frankly. Yeah. yeah. So is that has that been the case for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And do, do you feel like as you are making these editorial decisions about who you would feature and not that your education is evolving as to, oh, I had I'd never heard of this brand before. Or now I found that, or, or do you feel like at this point in your career, you you pretty well know all of the craftsmen yeah. uh, in the marketplace? Did we, you know it all? No, 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 no. I mean, we've always taken a position of focusing on the high end, right? And, you know, we get some, some feedback from people that, uh, you know, well, why don't you focus on more accessible work, right? Well, I mean, if we're really talking about quality craftsmanship and tradition, it's got to be like there's a minimum threshold that you kind of have to meet in order to even be in that, you know, you know, that league. Um, And so we've always kind of focused at that level and above. It's also my opinion that just like with art, you don't have to afford it to appreciate it. And so by focusing on the highest level of bespoke craftsmanship, right, even if you're not purchasing at that level, it allows you to be better informed of what the qualities and characteristics are of quality craftsmanship and tradition so that you can be a better consumer at whatever price point you're purchasing at. Yeah. And be aspirational. Yeah, be aspirational. I mean, it's a journey for everyone. There's no question. And I think there's two approaches to value creation, right? One of them is deciding what you want mm-hmm. and then trying to spend as little money for that as possible, mm-hmm. right? But the other, an equally valid approach towards value creation, this is the one that I've always prescribed to, is determine your budget, decide on what your budget is, and then go out and try to find the highest quality possible, right? And you know, value and quality is a three-dimensional optimizational money. It's time, knowledge, and money. Those are the three inputs that determine value. Um, and so I've always been of the opinion, let me figure out however much I have to spend and then I'm gonna go out and learn and find the best makers and maybe spend a little bit more time having it made so that I can reach a higher quality level of product than if I were to just walk into a mall and spend $300. The journey into the fabric of Kirby Allison's YouTube success is far from over. Be sure to listen to part two of our conversation right now at sunwestpr.com slash podcast. 
You can also watch our full conversation on our SunWest Communications YouTube page. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Reputation Matters. Find us at sunwestpr.com or your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time.